Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 173 for Monday, December 27th, 2021. And if I stumbled over that date, it's because we're recording this in the past. A bit of a pre-recorded episode for you this time as we all spend some time with our families over the Christmas break. Uh, my name is Johnny, the internet knows me as Pixorus, and joining me as always is the ghost of Christmas past, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> Don't worry, even as a ghost, I eat my vegetables. <laughs> you, uh, and... You'll be visited by three vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> right roasted broccoli brussels sprouts what's what's the ghost of christmas past what's the spooky one um, that comes at the it's end it's probably the turnip i think it's the, the, the turnip, the turnip yeah. is the one that scares me anyway yeah if uh, if you want to hear more about uh vegetables christmas dinner and uh, food then you should listen to the render distance which is the extended version of the podcast that johnny and i do every week you can become a patron at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and get access to that recording as well as the discord and other great benefits so uh head on over to patreon.com slash spawn chunks and support the show give yourself an extra christmas present and join a wonderful community uh so yeah as i mentioned we're pre-recording this episode so we're not going to be doing our usual discussion of what we've been doing in minecraft this week because this is the week before before we recorded last week's show if that makes any sense i know time travel it's a little bit weird um so there's also no news and we're not honestly expecting a great deal of news out of the minecraft team because they'll all be taking a break for the holidays as well so the focus of this episode is going to be celebrating the community through a bit more listener email this is going to be another chunk mail dispenser where we bring up a bunch of interesting stuff that you folks have written into the show so uh joel why don't you kick us off Sure thing. Uh, and if anybody here wants to have their email read on the show in the new year, you can send that email into spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. Make sure you have a clear subject line, makes it easy to sort, keep it short, keep it to point. Uh, and uh, usually one topic is, is best. If you have multiple topics, we might break your email up for, for discussion purposes. Uh, and last but not least, if you are a patron of the show, make sure you indicate that in the subject line because it helps us again sort out you know where we're filing things because we do get a lot of email and any help at all that you can give us when you're writing in goes a great length to keep us organized on the back end of things. First email is from Flambeer Peer. Music and shaders. Hello, Joel and Johnny. I have been listening to the Spawn Chunk since your interview with Exuma. Wow, that's a while. I remember a while back you guys were talking about music in Minecraft being more region locked. What if Minecraft had music achievements that would show the music you have unlocked in an area? This could work like another game I love, old school RuneScape. In RuneScape, all the music is tied to a specific area in the world. Once you've been there, you've unlocked the music. In Minecraft, this could be done by making certain songs tied to biomes and or dimensions. This would add a challenge to unlock all the music in the game and would give incentive for the player to explore the world. The menu could also allow you to play the songs you've unlocked, giving you a way to vibe to C418 Alpha without adding lots of music discs. Another possible addition could be a boss fight music that plays during the Ender Dragon or Wither fight. Rick has died vibing to C418 Alpha. <laughs> I can't remember which one Alpha is, but there is, I believe, a, a track that plays when you go to the end. Like, So I'm pretty certain there is boss fight music of a kind. It's not the traditional, like, more upbeat and dynamic boss fight music that you'd normally get when you, uh, you fight a boss in a video game. But then the dragon fight has always been a little bit more freeform. And I think to have that kind of music, you need a boss fight that's maybe a little bit more structured. Yeah, I think that um, I think that having some specific boss fight music, and it could also like there's enough people that have been playing Minecraft long enough that they could even have some nostalgia vibes and and maybe put in some stuff that would harken back to the the video games of of old in terms of the boss fights. But I I like the idea of having more of the music available created for Minecraft play more readily in the game, and I think changing it to a mini game is a great a great way to do it you know like i'd love to be able to set up a playlist in game saying minecraft i don't particularly like this track because you play all of these except for this one at a more regular interval that kind of thing mm -hmm. and rather than just having that available to you in the game which would be cool i think tying it to biome discovery is great so that you can't play or there's going to be a default like six tracks that minecraft is going to play um which right now like i know there's more but I feel like I only ever hear the same the same ones over and over again. Yeah. Um, since Update Aquatic, there have been a lot more songs tied to biomes than there were before. And that really started, I think, during 
113 because there were three uh, tracks by C418 that were introduced that only play when you're underwater, which is not something players commonly end up like hanging out underwater just to listen to the music because more often than not you're going to drown if you don't have the the appropriate countermeasures against that uh so i feel like those bits of music often go unnoticed um the nether biomes uh now have specific tracks adjoined to three of them which were introduced in the nether update that lena rain composed and now in caves and cliffs there are eight new tracks which are a little bit looser in terms of where they play i think there's some that can play on the main menu and also in a couple of the mountain biomes and there's one that's in a mountain biome but also the lush cave or the dripstone cave um there is one track from the caves and cliffs uh, soundtrack that doesn't play at all yet and that's ancestry we presume that one was supposed to be tied in a little bit more with the warden and of course there's the other side music disc which you can choose to play pretty much anywhere and i'd love to see them continue that approach in the wild update because minecraft's biomes are potentially going to be expanded and redeveloped starting with the wild update or at least you know including the wild update in that and so there's the option for certain types of music to play in swamps and and so forth um yeah, the weird thing about Minecraft to me is that a lot of the more interesting tracks from my point of view, the ones that are more than, you know, a minute and a half long and aren't just kind of peaceful piano music, there's a little bit more dynamic range to them and a little bit more interest, they only play in creative mode. And I turn the music off when I play Minecraft most of the time, and when I'm editing my videos, I will put some of those tracks in so that they can be a little bit more interesting music in the background, at which point people kind of have heard them from creative mode and go, go, wait a minute, why is that playing for you in survival? So I feel like Minecraft has this huge library of music, a lot of which is absolutely brilliant and evocative of the mood of Minecraft generally, but you don't always get to hear it as much. So it would be really interesting for there to be another way to listen to that music. And this question in particular put me in mind of the old Tony Hawk's skateboarding games, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where you could um, set up a playlist in-game if you just went to the music menu. You could choose, you could like select specific tracks for it to play or skip certain tracks. If you liked the punk side of things but you weren't as into the hip-hop tracks, you could basically mute one or the other by genre or just enable the ones that you liked or didn't like. And I presume that there are some mods or something for Java Edition, at least, that will allow you to do this. I don't know if you've done any looking into that, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain there'll be mods out there that tamper with the music a little bit. Uh, yes, my server mate Alistair uh, does, uh, does that. He uses one. I believe the one he uses is called Infinite Music. And all it does is dramatically reduce the wait time between tracks. Right. Okay. So when Minecraft plays music, it'll play music and then there'll be silence for a while and it's on a timer. And it basically just like takes that timer down to next to nothing. And and so music is playing pretty much constantly. Uh, I've had this issue recently on stream where uh, one of the um, stream music players that I was using and enjoyed for the most part put almost everything behind a paywall and really turned me off of, of using it because there was no warning. Uh, and so um, I've... I tried to turn on the music in game because I thought, well, I'm not turning these into YouTube videos in terms of editing them. So I don't have to like have odd audio cuts in the middle of a track so I can turn the music on when I play. Well, I turn the music on and it might play, but if I go on a break and the music is playing, it then stops. And so the rest of my five minute break away from the keyboard, there's just silence and I can't control that. And it's too bad. So what I've done is I found someone that have up, has uploaded the entirety of at least one of the music disc, music CDs from from Minecraft to a YouTube channel, and it's like an hour long. Mm -hmm. So I just hit play on that when I'm on break and pipe that music into the stream software. Um, and it's all the same music, so it doesn't get the DMC sort of hit. Um, so because that was the challenge is to try to find another another music platform to play music during my breaks that that is also copyright free but also doesn't suck mm -hmm. um and it's been challenging so um i and like you i like a lot of the tracks in minecraft I, I the the other mod that i found in addition to infinite music was dynamic music and that adds more cues for music to play so instead of just reducing the timer and having music play all the time music starts when you go to sleep when you wake up when you enter a different dimension when you so like it just all the different things in Minecraft that could pot potentially cue music does. And so the music then feels more intentional. Dynamic music also adds 
some new music as well. I don't know if either one of these, having not used them myself, um, access any Minecraft music that is currently not in the game. So for example, some of the tracks that play in the game and then some of the tracks that are on the soundtracks you may not be able to get. And uh, it would be nice if they could do that. Because uh, I would I would like to have more variety in, in Minecraft. And I, I like the idea of turning it into a mini game and you know unlocking stuff by adventuring to a biome. And I, I know that there's other ways to get music discs in the game, but I think it would be really cool if instead of just giving you the music track and like allowing you to have it in your inventory or in your, in your menu rather, uh, you could um, get a crafting recipe. So like discovering the jungle biome or the swamp biome in the future, like you mentioned, could unlock the recipe for the swamp disc. Well, what does that mean? Like, what do you have to get? Like maybe you have to get slime balls and something challenging to actually make that disc. Uh, and then you could play it whenever you want. Yeah, I mean the the music disc system already exists in the game, so there's there's definitely precedent for stuff like that. And I think that's that's an interesting thing about the music discs is that they are not tracks that will play normally. They're actively incentivizing you to go out and find specific music, but again, it's not necessarily tied to your experience of that biome. And a lot of the music discs tend to be quite different in style, so that's uh, an interesting one. Um, before we move on from this, a quick reminder that uh, all of C418's music is available to purchase from his Bandcamp page. I believe there are vinyl releases of Minecraft Volume Alpha and Beta as well. Um, I think Lena Rain's music is all on Spotify. And if you haven't checked it out already, maybe you haven't played the game itself, or maybe you just haven't looked for the music for it separately from the game, Minecraft Dungeons also has a fantastic soundtrack, uh, a lot of, oh, which, right. a lot of yeah. which is, is some of it is composed in-house, some of it is, I think, other composers that collaborated with them on the soundtrack, and uh, yeah, there's some really, really cool stuff in there. Some good battle themes, because a lot of Dungeons is more combat-focused than vanilla Minecraft is. So if you're finding the music in uh, regular Minecraft lacks a little bit of the energy that you want for a wither fight or something, uh, load up Spotify, look up um, the Minecraft Dungeons soundtrack and give that a try, because a lot of that music is uh, top draw when it comes to boss fight stuff. Word to the wise, I tried that the first time in a pinch to try and um, replace the music on my stream, and I don't have a Spotify subscription, so the ads play yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> dur during my stream. So just FYI, just careful about that kind of stuff. If you're using a service that has ads that you haven't like paid to remove, then just heads up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's also available on YouTube as well, but the same thing applies there for uh, for YouTube subscribers as well. Um, moving on to the next email that comes through to our inbox. This one is from Kira137, and the subject is Too Many Everythings. Hello, Pix and Joel. Regarding a topic that you often touch on, many people have recommended adding new blocks, variants of blocks, and whatnot. I wonder if you would appreciate Mojang removing some items or blocks. I know they have done it before with the Furnace Minecart, although the things they remove are usually replaced with something with a similar function, following the example of the Furnace Minecart adding powered rails. There are very few of these useless items in Minecraft, but something that comes to mind is poisonous potatoes. As you've said, Mojang has done pretty well adding very few of these, but they still clutter up inventory and storage. <laughs> you notice how I pronounce the word inventory? There's an email about that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know there is almost no chance Mojang will actually remove these, but I think it will please many players. My real question is, would you appreciate some items or blocks being removed from Minecraft? And if you do, which ones would you remove? Love the show and keep making awesome content. Kira137 had a very witty sign-off, but it was blown up by a creeper before he could type it. <laughs> well, very good. Uh, one minor correction to this. The Furnace Minecart is not removed from the game. A lot of its functionality has kind of been taken over by powered rails, but people still use Furnace Minecarts. They are craftable and... I think I've noticed a few players using them recently when they don't have the resources to craft powered rails and they just want to move a couple of mobs around. Like they want to move a villager to and from someplace just using regular minecart rails if they don't have all of the gold and redstone they need yet. Uh, so furnace minecarts still exist. They're just largely like they, they are more generally thought of as obsolete once you've got enough resources available. Yeah, they have some very specific use cases, but you know, it's not something that people you th i don't think of one i don't uh, i think powered rails first yeah um, although after reading this email and and i think i know what you're talking about in terms of some of the content creators that i've seen anything really vertical i feel like a furnace minecart might be better at doing it if you um if you don't have the powered rails or if you just don't want to bother laying all that you know powered rail down 
Um, yeah, I think and, I think the main reason main reason people don't use furnace minecarts more is that they were often fairly unreliable. Just kind of yeah. stuff like which direction they travel and things was not coded all that well or all that successfully at first. And so I think it, it's they they've sort of become generally regarded as not the best solution to the problem. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think people still use them from time to time but there there are definitely better ways of doing some of that stuff later on um but i think the furnace minecart is a good example of the fact that mojang doesn't remove stuff very often or nearly at all i think the only things that have been removed in recent memory are things that they tried out in snapshots and then decided weren't ready yeah. for the full release yet stuff like bundles and 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 the kind of associated stuff around there like the the fact that skulk sensors are still in the game but are delayed until the wild update and there's a, a few bits and pieces like that there were some textures people found for wax that ended up being implemented around the time bees were introduced but then they rolled that back and decided to use honeycomb for everything and that's what led into honeycomb being used for candles and so forth so i think there's only really precedent for them removing stuff from the game when it comes to streamlining the existing output of the game and a lot of that happens in the testing stage before it ever really reaches full release uh, but that's not the question really here the question is uh hypothetically to us would we remove anything from minecraft i think the poisonous potato is more of a meme now so i think that would probably stay <clears throat> but for me um i've always found the mundane potions dumb and frustrating uh, yeah. when you're trying to you know trying to do crafting and or not crafting but um potion brewing um that that to me was always a pain in the butt uh because i thought well th- it doesn't do anything it just it's like congratulations you did it wrong but now you've got this thing that you have to just like destroy or you like drink or you they don't stack like it just, it just seems like a, a pain in the butt um i think the the first thing that comes to my mind is a lot of food things like um suspicious stews and things like that but they're more of a pvp thing which i just don't do and a lot of that kind of stuff just ends up being like well how do you want to rp like if you if you want to play the game as a vegetarian you need to have a lot of food sources that are not as efficient as you know um roasted chicken and stuff for like game so you're probably going to do more of the soups and vegetables and things like that because they're going to be better for you um but it I find that that kind of stuff gets frustrating because I mean, on one hand, I don't need them to be removed from the game because I don't, I can get, I can get around them by just not crafting them and not dealing with them. I don't have to store them. Like I don't have to make them to get anywhere else in the game. So I can just avoid that whole tree. Um, the other thing that, that I was thinking of was the, the items in the game that you, you get, but you can't really do anything with. So like, yay, I have the dragon egg. Now what? You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't craft anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't give you anything extra. It doesn't give you powers. It like, it's not a beacon. Like it does, like you get a, a number of wither skulls. You can eventually, you know, craft the, the wither and then, uh, sorry, a wither skeleton skulls. Then you can craft the wither and then you can get the nether star and you can make a beacon. Like there's a purpose to all of that. Whereas the dragon is just like, yay, here's an egg. And you're like, okay um cool trophy but like what else can i do with it and so that that to me is is one of those things that i think is um is a little bit odd yeah there's there's a few things like that that i think are just there to exist and and we are contrasting these of course with mojang's incredible ability to make everything have multiple uses so as soon right. as something only has one use or is just there for decoration people kind of go huh and they poke it to see what it does and in the case of the dragon egg it teleports away um but i think the the it's the same with stuff like copper you know people find that copper blocks have different ages and copper ingots can be used to make a couple of different things like lightning rod spyglass and then they kind of go is that it and it doesn't necessarily forbid them from adding new uses to it in future so the dragon egg might end up having a use further down the line but i think stuff like that does just exist as a reminder that you know in java edition at least there's only one dragon egg and like this is the the first time you kill the dragon this is what you get and it can be significant to players as a trophy especially considering how few people actually end up going ahead and fighting the dragon uh, from what we've heard uh, very few players actually bother going to the end in the grand scheme of everybody who plays minecraft so 
yeah, there is some achievement in that, and it's it's a physical object you can have as an achievement instead of just a, a checkbox in the game that says you've done this. Um, as for the poisonous potato, last time I saw poisonous potatoes in-game was in a shipwreck, and I think they make good junk items in that context. I don't necessarily like them appearing as part of potato farming, um, but I think, along with stuff like suspicious stew and rotten flesh, it makes sense for them to be in loot chests like in shipwrecks where time has spoiled the contents of whatever the ship was carrying right their food supplies have long since rotted at this point and you're just left with a bunch of junk in there and it's implied that the rotten flesh is just like meat that's gone bad as opposed to they killed a bunch of zombies and just put the bits in here so i think like poisonous poisonous potatoes are good for stuff like that from time to time um yeah, honestly, there's not a huge amount I would remove, and this really comes from my kind of key philosophy with Minecraft being to use every part of Minecraft where you can. If you're playing Minecraft for a long time and you're stuck for things to do, find an aspect of Minecraft that you had never touched before and give it a try. Like, I know there are right. a lot of people who would want to remove blocks like diorite from the game because they think they're ugly or they don't have a place in the kind of stuff that those players like to build, but there are definitely uses for them. I don't think there are any bad blocks in Minecraft. I think there are just blocks that you haven't found the right use for yet. And so I, I'm I'm not necessarily somebody to ask this kind of question because I will always advocate for keeping everything and just finding the right place to use it. Like I, I ended up using diorite as slush in a snow biome ski resort project that I thought was probably one of the cooler uses of diorite that I've been able to come up with. And I think that kind of stuff works really well, but it's the kind of thing that if you're building a castle in a plains biome, you're not necessarily going to jump straight to diorite unless you're a more experienced builder and you have a mind to use diorite specifically for a project like that. Uh, CJ Williams, a member of my Discord community, just posted an image before the show of using diorite uh, and various versions of diorite, and I think calcite as well, to indicate snow kind of like drifting over a stone wall. Mm -hmm. So like the top part of the, the wall looked frozen. Uh, so there's definitely uses for stuff, even when you think like in general, it's not a very, you know, attractive block. I've worked with diorite in some of my builds too, and I've been kind of like surprised, like, okay, you know, in moderation, it can it can work. Because uh, you do sometimes get caught up in the zeitgeist of like, ugh, you know, bird poop, right? And if, when people say it enough, it's hard to unsee it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's it's like the beans for the uh, the <laughs> iron, the, the the raw iron blocks. Yes. You know, once you, if you see it too often or you hear it too often, you kind of think it all the time until you can put like one or two of them in a situation where like, okay, no, it actually works like mud or like something in a swamp, you know, whatever that happens to be. I, I don't know about removing entirely, but I find that, in terms of things like textures and blocks in the game, because that was specifically mentioned by by Kira 137. Um, I don't I don't think it's something that necessarily needs to be removed, but I do find sometimes I get frustrated with redundant textures, textures that are very similar, where they've taken the the liberty to add two different blocks in the game, things that don't stack in your inventory. One block might lead to the other, but they look so similar that you only end up using the one that's easier to come by or the one that ends up being able to be broken down into more things. So subjectively useless, you know, it's very specific to me. Um, deep slate versus cobble deep slate comes to mind immediately because you know, like I'm even writing a data pack right now to allow me to put deep slate into the into the grindstone and get all the cobbled deep slate pieces without having to first turn it all into cobbled deep slate first. Um, and then some of the blackstone variants. Uh, I'm not saying remove the variants. I'm saying that some of the variants are so similar to one another, it's very difficult to tell the difference in your inventory and in the game. And that to me is something where I don't want the blocks to go away because more options are better. And, you know, the more I worked with Blackstone in that Blackstone hall, the more I was able to use it. And now that we've got Deep Slate, Blackstone has a lot more uses and stuff like that. Plus there's polished basalt, not polished basalt, smooth basalt now as well. So like there's more blocks in that palette that makes Blackstone a little bit more viable, but there's still variants within that family where just like, if you stick them all next to each other, you can barely tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, more variety there and more contrast will help, I think, in general, players accept, okay, yes, there's six different variants of this block, but I can see how they're all different and they may all have their own unique cases. I just don't see it yet. But when you're looking at six of them and three of them are not identical, but very close, 
it, it gets a little bit frustrating because she's like, well, I wanted more blocks and you give me more blocks, but they all kind of look the same. And so that's, that's where I get, you know, um, hopeful in terms of, again, not removing things to the game, but maybe changing the balance a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's more about refinement, I think, than it is about removing yeah. stuff is the, the philosophy we tend to take here. So hopefully that was a somewhat satisfying answer to that question anyway, because we're, we're, we're generally pretty open-minded people here at the Spawn Chunks. We don't like to think about anything being removed. And frankly like any change like that is going to remove something that somebody else was relying on still being there so right, i don't exactly. i don't necessarily want to ruin anybody's day by saying yes remove blackstone from the game and then the people who are building some stuff with blackstone just being like huh <laughs> i i feel like there's there's definitely room for everything in this game and thankfully the developers keep finding spaces to put stuff so uh here's to that continuing speaking of where we put stuff this next email is fun and comes in from rosh and the kitchen crew Inventory versus inventory. This will make more sense in a minute. Dear Spawn Chunks, this is a group email. We work in a casino kitchen and we get to play our own radio. We argue all the time about what will be played, but the one thing we've always agreed on over the last few years has been listening to the Spawn Chunks as we are all avid Minecraft players. That's really cool. Uh, we have thought long and hard over the years of what to ask in your email, and we finally agreed to, on something that we want to talk about every ep or that we talk about every episode. When you two gentlemen talk about where items are held on the player in Minecraft, you say inventory, as if the player is inventing something with objects held. We are used to calling it inventory, as not inventing items, but just an overview of stuff held by the player. To hold in a catalog style. We are from the deep south in America, and half of us say it's a language difference in the way that the world the word is said and used. The other half of us believe it is actually an inventory that's inventing items. Please settle this years-long argument for us so that we can all enjoy the podcast and find something else to argue about. Much love, the kitchen crew all died being cooked alive in a furnace <laughs> <laughs> i love this and <laughs> so good and congratulations to the kitchen crew for making me love this because this is one of my pet peeves people bring this into my youtube comments about the way i say it because this is not necessarily a british english versus versus american english thing either british english pronounces it with three syllables inventory american english pronounces it with four syllables inventory i say it inventory <laughs> so i put the emphasis on the second syllable and i get a, I, I get very peeved when everyone comes into my youtube comments and tells me i pronounce this word wrong for a start i don't care as long as you understand <laughs> what i'm talking about it's effective communication and nitpicking the way anybody talks is just like the biggest no-no in my comments i'm like you wouldn't come into somebody else's thing and they had a bit of an accent and make fun of the way they talk like i think it's such a a petty thing but i mean in this case they've they've asked it very nicely and i think we're we're settling an argument for these folks in their kitchen um personally i like it better in the context of minecraft because it seems tied to the word invent uh, since the player has a crafting interface along with those deep pockets inventory definitely seems to work better that way for me um but i think in terms of the official pronunciation it's a british english versus american english thing and the emphasis is on the in at the start of the word, and then it varies uh, in terms of its syllable count, if not in terms of its emphasis. So when I did a little bit of research, uh, I, I noticed that a lot of the reference was between the, the difference between British and North American pronunciations of a lot of different words. So, for example, stationary, dictionary, secretary would be stationary, dictionary, secretary. Yeah, in, oh, in or, or if, a lot of, in, if you're me, secretary, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is entirely yeah, different. a very different thing. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, and I think that's where some of it is is very interesting. I I saw I can't repeat the joke because it's not family friendly, but I saw a comic um, one time online uh, giving a little bit about how Americans curse um, in a much different way than than Europeans because Europeans have it very short whereas Americans like to chew on every word mm -hmm. was the joke mm -hmm. and so every time they they spoke ill uh it would be v more visceral like it seems way more offensive because because it, like everything is emphasized you know where it could be kind of a little bit more under the cuff a little bit more dry uh in in the UK and Europe and so with this kind of stuff uh 
I I find that I mean I say inventory because you know in in Canada I almost said Canada, uh, in in Canada that's just kind of like when you're you're breaking things down phonetically that's how I grew up working out how to say words was just kind of breaking them down by syllables and how they're spelled because they're spelled the same way, it's not like color and color, one with an O U R one with an O R right they're both pronounced the same. Um, this it's spelled the same, but they're pronounced differently. Mm-hmm. And I find too, like traveling around accents, specifically strong accents in in the UK, because I'm spending a lot of time on TikTok lately, and I follow a couple of Scottish TikTokers. And when they say words like south, it's sooth. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not paying attention or reading the subtitles, like I don't know what the heck they're talking about sometimes, especially if they're speaking fast. Um, and I I always find this kind of stuff interesting because it's not like it's a different word. Like so for. In North America, we'll say pants, where in a lot of times in the UK or, or in those areas, trousers. it'll be trousers, right? Except in the or, north of England, where it's still pants. Okay, like when, good when example. I, I went, and in Scotland, they're trousers. Yes. <laughs> which, again, if you're not paying attention, you're like, what is that? Yeah, right? it's, it's funny, because in Scotland, yeah, it's it's trousers, and then it's trousers in the south of England, and then in the north of England, where I went to university, everyone still says pants. So it's, mm-hmm. it's different. And um, settle in, because I've got a bit more information for you. Uh, language is mutable and changes over time. There was a period of about 300 years, between about 1400 and 1700 in England, which is now referred to as the Great Vowel Shift. Uh, because people have studied this and it was a phenomenon whereby English spelling was becoming standardized as literacy increased in this country and it led to people completely changing the way they pronounce things and this is why some stuff in like Shakespeare plays and sonnets doesn't feel like it rhymes anymore where in the original pronunciation it would doubt thou the stars are fire doubt thou the sun doth move doubt truth to be a liar but never doubt I love Uh, the word love would have been pronounced Louvre back in the day because of the way Shakespearean English like around that kind of era pronounced certain vowels and so there's a lot of shifting that has taken place over time and like this was also the period where America was being colonized by the British um, and it's one of the many reasons American pronunciation ends up differing from British English is because our vowel sounds were changing whereas American vowel sounds potentially stayed the same and then developed from there as the country developed its own identity uh, beyond that as the United States so there are variations in the way people have said stuff over the years that are changing constantly and I don't know if inventory 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 if that is ever going to take off in one direction and stay the same for everybody um but i i've read articles about this recently uh in which people have pointed out that you know younger generations have started pronouncing mischievous as mischievous and that's led to a lot of people misspelling the word when they write it out um but it's one of those aluminium aluminum kind of things where it doesn't necessarily matter and let if you understand what they mean uh it just means that people are starting to pronounce things a certain way based on you know what they've heard their friends say and things just kind of repeat and repeat over again until things change permanently uh so there's there's some really weird stuff that goes on in in language um and since a lot of these folks say they're from uh, the deep south i'm gonna need to do you to do a quick census of how many people in the kitchen say library instead of library uh and, and then you can write back with that because i'd be interested to hear um but yeah language is this weird kind of ever-shifting thing and a lot of people think that there are hard and fast rules that need to be applied to it and a lot of times that's a good thing because that means we can teach it to people but what people do with it after that is their own business <laughs> as far as i'm concerned uh, so i'm probably going to stick to the way i say inventory for the foreseeable future and when i'm thinking about the words that i have in my internal inventory you know podcasting I know there has to be at least one case on the spawn chunks where I've said inventory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, between you and my buddy Alistair, who's uh, a Yorkshireman, uh, I am I know that I've picked it up at some point yeah. and parroted it. You know, uh, I just finished watching the entirety of Downton Abbey uh, <laughs> over the last few you weeks. You've got to pick up some and, good pronunciations from that show. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. for sure. And, and my... And my um, my my internal monologue has had like a little bit of a british kind of like proper british you know pronunciation or deliver it's more about the delivery uh than than it has in the past and i've had this experience before when i was watching justified which is a a kentucky-based crime drama 
uh, and everybody's got this southern drawl. And again, I don't talk like that, but my inner monologue will be just like a little bit slower, <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit more visceral. Like you know, the things that you think in your head when somebody cuts in front of you in line are a little bit different after you've been watching Justified for like six weeks as mm-hmm. opposed to Downton Abbey for six weeks, which I think it did. It just it's, it's funny to me how I pick up that kind of stuff. Um, I uh, same thing with like, you know, watching all the um the Scottish accents and stuff on, on TikTok. Again, I don't pick it up verbally, but my brain will just be like, I'll think about the way that certain people say things. And it just, I do, I do find it really, really interesting. I, I, I like the, I like the fact that language is so fluid. It, I find it a lot to get caught up with. I, and this is me, you know, stating my age. I find that because of the social media that I follow, a lot of times there'll be words or short abbreviations for things that'll start to hit the zeitgeist. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what that is. I have to go look that up. Like, what does this mean in this context? Cause like, I know that word, but this is not being used in the way that I know that word. So I have to go look, okay, well in this particular context, like what does that mean? And that's where things start to get really convoluted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think we're probably going to wrap up this discussion there, but uh, thank you once again to the Kitchen Crew for writing in. And what a great yes. thing to hear that you guys just listen Very to cool. our show on the radio in your casino kitchen. That's that's great. Uh, hopefully the uh, the argument can be somewhat settled by our answer and you'll find something else to argue over as you uh, continue to listen. Uh, this last email we're going to cover today comes in from Irils, and the subject is Lush Cave Lighting. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I've been exploring the new caves to hoard some small drip leaf. I mean, same. Uh, However, I often come across the issue of lush caves being rather dark in large caverns. They are a huge pain to light up with torches because of aquifers, water pools, and moss carpet getting in the way. The glow berries are simply too high up to provide any significant visibility, even when at their strongest. Mob spawning changes are nice, but what do I do when I need visibility? Do you think there's an effective way to light large lush caves without dealing all, dealing with all the partial blocks and liquid blocks? Or should I stop sulking about glowberries being dim and grab some night vision potions before hunting down that drip leaf? Otherwise only gain through the second worst mob in the game. Irils was slain by the wandering trader for ruining his small drip leaf monopoly. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think he heard you. I will send Cosmic to avenge you. <laughs> yes. Um... Yeah, I, I, I get this because obviously a lot of the lush cave environment is watery. Like you don't even just get aquifers there. You get those smaller shelves of water that are held back by clay. It's a very kind of damp environment. It's meant to be like that. And I I feel you with the moss carpet. Moss carpet is a pain. You think there's a full block of moss there that you can place a block on and it turns out that you can't. And then you're right clicking with a torch for a couple of seconds before you figure out why. Um, my mm. advice in that respect is to aim for the grass, because if you place a torch on somewhere that grass is growing, you aren't prevented from placing a torch there. It, it will replace the grass and break it rather than direct your torch elsewhere. So um, even though it might feel a little bit counterintuitive because there's clearly something big growing there, you can usually do that kind of Indiana Jones substitution <laughs> of the grass with the torch. Um, so So that's what I would recommend. But... The rest of the time, I would honestly settle for spamming torches on the clay blocks around the aforementioned water pools. And for the most part, with aquifers, you don't need to worry about lighting anything up except the rim of the lake that's down there. So for the most part, most of that isn't going to be spawnable unless it crosses over with a dripstone cave and then you get the drowned spawning down there. Yeah, in terms of visibility, um, what I was thinking in terms of, of lighting, because we've had a number of people um, talk about their shortage of coal as they go down below um, into the deeper parts of the world now, uh, I was thinking that if you have them before you go down, um, sea pickles are pretty easy to get a lot of if you've got enough bone meal. Uh, and once you do that, you could start just lining these pools with with sea pickles. Now, you'd probably have to do the full cluster of four at full lighting strength. Uh, it's not going to be incredible but it's going to be a lot closer to the ground than some of the glow berries i would imagine yeah the, the glow berries is an interesting one because i think if you're sticking around you can do a lot with the cave vines that produce glow berries like you you can you can regrow them the way kelp grows which naturally they have a point at which they stop growing but if you break the tip of the plant it'll randomly reassign an age value to it between 0 and 24 
and then the plant keeps growing, adding one to the age each time it grows a block until the age reaches 25 and it stops again. So if you do that every so often, and I think if you're on Java, you can use F3 to check the plant's age. You can look at the debug information and see how old the tip of the plant is. Um, if you keep breaking it, it'll grow down as far as you want by the end. Um, so like kelp, it can grow from the seafloor all the way up to the surface, at whatever height that ends up being as long as you maintain the plants. So if you're thinking about sticking around in this lush cave for a while, you might want to give that a try. Given that it's probably fairly hard to reach those uh, cave vines though, I can see that not being super practical. Um, so if it's an area you're thinking of colonizing and, and you know turning into something a bit more permanent, Minecraft still has some really fun organic light sources. I'm thinking stuff like jack-o'-lanterns. Glow lichen is a pretty valid light source for mob spawning prevention, if not for visibility. But enough glow lichen will still make an area pretty well lit. Um, you could mix in some shroom lights if you've been to the nether. You could hide your light sources under the aforementioned moss carpet. I think even stuff like candles wouldn't be wouldn't be too bad. Um, so there's there's definitely a few different options if you're planning on lighting the area up for a, a more permanent settlement there. Um, but I think the rest of the time, you might be able to find some stuff to place torches on. <laughs> there was a change recently, and I'm frantically Googling it while you're talking, about cave vines and the age of them. I don't know whether it was something to do with shears. Yeah, I think... But you... there was there was a much easier way to control them. Yes, I think you can you can shear cave the end of cave vines to stop them from growing any further. So it basically cuts off the plant there without the age right. mechanic playing in. That's if you want them to stop growing. If you want them to keep growing, then there isn't right. okay. really many options other than just breaking the tip of the plant. Right, okay. All right, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I do find I do find that tricky because I remember that from my my uh, test runs in, in uh, the experimental stuff was you get into a big cave and it looks really cool, but then you can't see where you're going. Mm -hmm. um and yeah I'm, i think that i think that there could be more done with with cave vines but i kind of wonder whether they're if it's something where you're going to live permanently then i think that's kind of a fun challenge to figure out like where can you put things like glowstone or or lights that are not going to be torches everywhere that you could then um that you could then use to be able to light your way and again i think one of the things that's hard to wrap your brain around is that new light level spawning like even though you want to see where you're going part of that reason i think is not just visual but also like a safety net and you're so used to anything feeling dim being also dangerous whereas like glow lichen will block spawns now mm -hmm. so like if you have enough of that you could still have a lit path granted a dimly lit path through your your lush cave but it could be completely safe yeah yeah it totally could and and always there's always the option of bringing some fairly cheap blocks with you and that way you can place down a block that you can put a torch on any way you like and depending mm. on how dangerous the environment is if you're on java you can have a torch in one hand and the blocks in the other hand or vice versa put down a block and then immediately place a torch on it basically so there, there are some shortcuts i think you can probably find some some easy enough ways of uh of navigating that but if you're just going to be breezing through kind of in and out make sure you have your brightness set to as bright as possible <laughs> maybe turn up the brightness on your monitor if you just need to swing through picking up all of the small drip leaf and uh, you'll make out like a bandit from those places compared to the wandering trader at least who traded you like 10 of the things at a time before he locked the trade permanently I'm noticing this a lot myself because I, I'm not playing with Optifine and I don't have a dynamic lighting solution right now for, for fabric. So um, I often play with a torch in my left hand just so I can see what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, you're putting the underside of a bridge or something together. I just need to see what's what textures are what, both for my benefit and the stream's benefit. But I don't have that right now. And so I'm always just like throwing torches down. Um, but as a habit because I was carrying torches in my left hand for that reason, I would just, when I go caving and stuff like that, I just have them there. And then it's, it's a matter of like right click, left click. If you're mining or running along, you can just kind of like, you know, throw torches up against walls very easily. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I hadn't considered dynamic lighting, actually. That's a, a potential option if you don't want to do the night vision potion thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Install Optifine and, and see if, if dynamic lighting works on the latest version, then you're you're off to the races at that point. Um, do you think we have time for one more? I think we've probably got time for one more. Yeah, we can squeeze this in. I think so. Uh, this is from Randomify, my Minecraft 118 experience. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I've played Minecraft for a long time. 
most of my life, really. And although I've taken breaks, I've always kept up on the news and the Minecraft community. When I started up a new world in Minecraft 1.18, I was planning on finding a decent-sized cavern to make a base in. But the seed I got had a single tall jungle tree on a hill, and fate decided that I must build a treehouse. I wonder how many people will go into the, a new world in 118 expecting to build one thing only to find the perfect place to build another thing entirely. Randomify fell off a vine while trying to build a treehouse. Actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir here because I was hoping for my spawn in the Minecraft survival guide to be somewhere a bit more mountainous with at least like a couple of decent sized hills nearby, like a decent plains biome, valley kind of thing. And I ended up in a birch forest, which is a biome that I don't think I've ever built in before purposefully, at least not when I cared about the location of any of my bases and, and structures and so forth. So I might have built on one when I played on Xbox back in the day, but now that I've been making more YouTube content and kind of structuring things visually a little bit differently, I wouldn't have picked a birch biome to start off in, but I made it my own. And I think that's probably going to be happening for a lot of people especially if you went in with expectations for what 118 was going to provide i think the cool thing that henrik always points out whenever he talks about this both on our show and and elsewhere is that you can just pick up and explore a 118 world and find those places if those were your expectations but then again the happy accidents like you encountering this giant jungle tree on a hill and deciding that that was going to be your home is one of the things that makes Minecraft great, in my opinion. The the uh, the presentation that the sandbox gives you stuff like that to play with is always super fun. I think this is one of the reasons why I haven't had any grand ideas for builds in Minecraft 118 landscapes. Uh, I need to see them first. And I haven't gotten to that on the Citadel yet, which we really need to get on. We're behind on that. Um, but I, I think that that's something that's going to dictate kind of like what happens. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people in our Discord and in my Discord posting pictures of like mountainside cabins. And I think that's really cool. But then I think like yeah, I'd have to find the mountain first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me and because we've already done this on the server and because of me flying around with chunk trimming and stuff like that, I'm not opposed to just like loading up a backup seat of the Citadel teleporting myself 30,000 blocks in a couple different directions and just kind of seeing what I can see and seeing if there's anything that's like, oh, okay, that's really cool. There might be more cool stuff around. Uh, that could be kind of fun because we've done that for thematic areas as well. Like we found this really cool jungle valley place, which may or may not still be there um, for uh, what would be a future like kind of Asia Pacific kind of Ming Dynasty type build, um, but we never pulled the trigger on it. So um, we just kind of kept it in the back of our 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 pockets right so that kind of stuff i think is is what i'd need to do before i start to decide what i'm going to build again i'd love to build something cool like moria or, or something like that but i'd have to find a big enough cave to do it in mm -hmm. first so it's one of those things where you kind of have to wait to stumble upon it um one pitfall i think to best laid plans is if you're doing it in survival and you're not allowing yourself the freedom to surf around your seed look for biomes uh in either creative mode or in a map mod like um uh amidst or something that's up to 118 and there's another one online that that uses it chunk base i think yeah, is, chunk the one base right is the one yeah yeah uh i tried using chunk base i find the interface very small and hard to get any real information out of which is unfortunate um but stuff like that you're going to be walking around for a long time or you could i mean you could stumble upon it you could spawn on top of something amazing or it could be many hours before you find that mountain or cave that you're looking for so I think getting tied to an idea too closely before loading in a new or going into a new area in 118 uh, might be stifling your creativity. Like just go in with an open mind and kind of see what's up. Yeah, I, I think so. And if, uh, if, if my example is anything to go by, I don't think I have found a mountain biome that goes taller than a meadow within about a thousand blocks of my spawn area yet. I might not have looked in all the right directions like there's definitely some hills nearby that i haven't climbed up to the top of to see what's beyond that yet but in the directions that i've been going across the ocean that's near my spawn point and you know in a few other different areas around that i still haven't found anything all that tall so i'm still waiting for that and i'm happy for it to show up whenever it shows up and i'm sure once i'm 
looking a little further afield once I'm exploring to find stuff like strongholds or villages or any of that stuff. I expect I will run into one sooner or later, but uh, I'm comfortable just being along for the ride for now, and I think ultimately I want to build a base in every biome in this season of my world, that's what I've decided, so I'm going to have to find one sooner or later, but uh, I'm, I'm happy waiting for that kind of stuff, especially if good ideas suggest themselves in the meantime. Well, I think that's probably where we're going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. It's been a short and sweet one, and I hope you folks have enjoyed your holiday break. For those of you who celebrated Christmas, hope you had a wonderful Christmas. And in the meantime, you can find more information about our show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. Thank you for all your support throughout 2021, folks who listen to the show. And if you listen to the show for free and you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks where joining our community gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, pledging at any level gets you a, an opportunity to listen to the show live, and it'll also get us closer to our next milestone goals along the road as well. Uh, as of the time of this recording on December 17th, we're at 309 patrons, which was up three from the last time we checked, so thank you so much to the new folks who have hopped on board, and special thanks as ever go out to our content engineers hunter555 jumbo sale polbo baggins and yitz thank you for your support on this episode sharing their podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast tell a friend about the spawn chunks and where they can go to listen to it you can subscribe on itunes spotify google podcasts even youtube really wherever you can find a podcast you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the rss feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patreon feed is on the patreon page and that's where you can get the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series and play a bit of Minecraft bingo from time to time. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio and links to everything else that I do is all at joelduggan.com. So just remember that and you can find everything else. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can get that at thecitadelcafe.com. Coming up this week, we've got the Holiday Roundtable coming. We've got the finale for Hawkeye on Disney Plus, and we've got the premiere of The Witcher Season 2. So lots of cool stuff to talk about going into the holidays. You can find me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I play Minecraft, I play Satisfactory, I'm looking to branch into some other games over the holidays. And uh, keep an eye out, this would have already happened by the time you listen to this, but I'm doing a Lego Let's Chat as a uh, stream goal reward that happened in November. Uh, that's happening this weekend. We're going to be building a, a Star Wars Lego set. I'm not sure which one yet. I might leave that up to the to the crowd there. Uh, but that VOD will be on YouTube eventually. And that is actually going to bring me into promoting Joel Duggan VODs on YouTube. That's the channel name. It's easy to find. Uh, I haven't had time to do any promotional or uh, like edited content for like Let's Plays, but I use the, the VODs channel as a way to uh, archive my, my Twitch content. And that means that the entirety of West Hill is archived on that YouTube channel. So if you're interested, check it out. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and the snow isn't going anywhere.